In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I want to begin this morning by telling you about the birth of a child. This child was born sometime during the last century B.C. It was said of this child, because of what he did later in life, that he had brought injustice to the whole world. Many who followed him also worshipped him. And he was called by at least some of his first followers the Son of God. When the people wrote about his life and deeds, they often proclaimed that because of him, a new world had begun. A new era of human history had been initiated that far outstripped and surpassed all that had come before. He was called the Savior of the world. He was its King. He was its Lord. And his name was Caesar Augustus. Now, one of the most surprising truths about the New Testament is that it often leaves us without the kind of information that we really want to know. Christmas is a perfect example of this. Think about the different ways in which the four Gospels treat the first Christmas. Only two of our four Gospels tell us the events that surrounded the birth of Jesus. Another two that do... Matthew and Luke, well, they tell different stories. In Matthew, we are told that Mary was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit while she was betrothed to Joseph. And while he had resolved to divorce her quietly, an angel appeared to him and told him that the child was of the Holy Spirit and to be named Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Without much fanfare, the child is born. No mention of a stable, no journey to Bethlehem. And then we hear of Herod, wise men, a plot to kill the children of Bethlehem, another visit by an angel, the Holy Family's escape to Egypt, and their eventual return to Nazareth. In Luke, the story is different. The angel visits Mary, not Joseph. In Luke, we hear of a registration and resulting journey to Nazareth. In Luke, we hear, I'm sorry, to Bethlehem. In Luke, we hear about the manger, the swaddling clothes, and the fact that there was no place for them in the end, although that's probably not what that word means. In Luke, we hear of shepherds, not wise men. We hear of caroling angels announcing that a Savior has been born and proclaiming glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. In Luke, we don't hear of Herod's murderous plot, and we don't hear of the flight to Egypt. Mark says nothing of the first Christmas, and while John does explicitly mention the incarnation, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, he gives no details of the events of that first Christmas day. These are the kind of events in a person's life that we want to know about. Mark and John give us nothing. With what Matthew and Luke give us, we have to kind of figure out how the two fit together. From a theological perspective, however, the details don't exactly matter. What we say about Jesus, we say about the infant Jesus, not just the adult. 
In fact, much of what we say about Mary, particularly that she is Theotokos, the bearer of God, we say precisely because of what we say about the infant Jesus. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. This is as true of the infant as it is of the adult and the pre-incarnate word. From infancy the Son is one person with two natures, human and divine, and Mary is the mother of the person of the Son. She is Theotokos, and we are not Nestorians. But again, from the perspective of the New Testament historian or biblical theologian, it's hard to know exactly what to do with a day like today. There is the obvious contrast between Jesus and Caesar, and we'll get back to that briefly. But quite frankly, outside the two infancy narratives, even as you sort of read the New Testament, um, Christmas isn't a big deal. I mean, Paul will give sort of summaries of the Christian faith, like 1 Corinthians 15. He doesn't start off by saying Jesus was born of a virgin. Paul doesn't make grand arguments to defend the virgin birth. After Matthew and Luke, there's no mention of shepherds, wise men, Herod's murderous plot, stables, mangers, swaddling clothes, etc., etc. They just don't talk about these things. The accounts of Matthew and Luke can be harmonized, sure, but their differences, not to mention the total absence of such narratives in Mark and John, should give us pause. The real weight of the story of Jesus, as the Gospels tell it, falls on the end of the story. Holy Week, the cross and resurrection. But every story that has a beginning, I'm sorry, every story that has an ending has a beginning. And as Luke tells the story, the beginning of the life of Jesus, with its implicit contrast between Jesus and Caesar, Luke makes the claim that Christmas is the celebration of the beginning of the end of God's plan to renew the world through the offspring of Abraham. Mary says in the Magnificat that what God had done for her, he has done in remembrance of the promises made to Abraham and his children forever. Zechariah in the Benedictus proclaims that the Lord, the God of Israel, has come to his people and set them free. Set them free in fulfillment of the oath that God swore to our father Abraham. What was that oath? Go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Read within the context of Genesis 3-11, to the promise of Abraham is not only a promise, it is a declaration of a rescue mission. The promise made to Abraham is the promise that God will renew and bless the world through the family of Abraham. And with Christmas, that promise comes, begins to come to fruition. The long story of Israel's history is coming to its climax. 
And this final chapter begins with the infant in the manger. Don't be afraid, the angel told the shepherd. I have come to tell you the gospel. Yuangalidzamai. Today in Bethlehem, in the city of David, the Messiah, the Christ, the offspring of Abraham, through whom God will act to renew the world, has been born. I, I love to see a, a like cause and effect relationship between that and what happens next. Because the angel shows up, angel of the Lord, and he's the first one to proclaim the gospel to announce that Jesus has been born. And Luke says, suddenly, suddenly, as if at the announcement of the gospel, all of heaven erupts in effusive praise. There was with the angel a vast heavenly army, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. For one brief moment, the veil is pulled back. And these blessed shepherds saw all of heaven and stand and proclaim with one voice. Because of this infant, God gets the glory and earth gets peace. This infant, this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger is the beginning of the end of God's plan to renew the world through the offspring of Abraham. God gets the glory and we get the peace. This is the meaning of Christmas. This is why we need more than one day to marvel at and worship the baby Jesus. I think then that that Christmas, at least this season, um, for me is about being like the shepherds. I mean, they don't know the how or the when. They don't know about the cross. They don't know about the resurrection. They don't know about his promise to come again. But they know what they have heard. They know that God's long-awaited plan is coming to its fulfillment through this child. They, They know these verses from Isaiah, the ones we heard this morning. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. And this is, of course, how Mary begins her Magnificat. This is what she's thinking about. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up. See the idea, the metaphor of planting. So the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet, until her righteousness goes forth from her as brightness, and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. The prophetic vision was always that God would act through Israel, through Jerusalem, through Abraham's offspring, for the good of the whole world. The Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before every nation. The nations will see your righteousness. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Christmas is the beginning of the end of God's plan to renew the world through the offspring of Abraham.
Every time I am afforded the opportunity to preach, I want to preach about things like the cross, resurrection, the kingdom of God, new creation. But that's not what today is about. Christmas is about the infant, before the cross, before the resurrection, before he proclaims the kingdom of God. Christmas is about angels proclaiming to shepherds that God's plan to renew the world has begun with the birth of this child. And it's about going with the shepherds to worship the child because of this great news. So let us come and like the shepherds of Bethlehem, worship the infant child. Three times Luke mentions the manger. Because it is the manger that is the sign. It is the sign to the shepherds that this child is who the angels say he is. He is the reality while Caesar is the imitation. He is the one through whom God will renew the world and bring glory to God in heaven and peace on earth. He is a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory to the people of Israel. He is God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. He is God forever and always, having united himself to humanity by a bond that even death could not break. And for all these reasons and more beside, we remember and celebrate his birth this morning. Amen.